Cool. How is it going, everybody? Um, thank you for tuning in to the Forward Thinking Founders podcast, uh, where we talk to founders, they're about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. And today, we're talking to Austin Allred, founder and CEO of Lambda School. Austin, how's your day going? That's going pretty well. How about yours? It's going really well. Good. Um, uh, it's my last week in San Francisco, so I'm making up the most of it. And, Exciting. Um, yeah, seeing all the cool spots. Cool. Very yeah. Cool. Absolutely. So let's dive right into it. So for those who may not know, can you just give a brief overview on what Lambda School is in a minute or two? Yeah. High level, we train people to be software engineers and data scientists and designers in live online classes at no cost until you're hired making more than $50,000 a year. Um, So we align the incentives of the school with the incentives of the student and we don't get paid unless you're successful. All right. That's a... that's an awesome model. I think one of the uh, the model is very heavily dependent on the ISAs, right? That mm-hmm. the content concept of ISAs. Can you explain what an ISA is for those who may not know, and um, kind of explain why ISAs work or income share agreements work with this model, and why you think it might be the future? Yeah. So an ISA or an income share agreement, it's it's technically an equity stake in a person's future income. Um, so the same way, you know, if you're a startup, you can raise debt, which is you know you owe a loan that's X dollars, or you can raise equity, which is, hey, they, you know, this person owns X percent of my company in specific circumstances. Um, an income share agreement means that you will give somebody some portion of your future income only under certain circumstances. Um, so for Lambda School, that means you pay us 17% of your gross salary for two years, um, capped at a maximum of $30,000 total possible. Um, but we only collect that amount if you get a job that pays more than 50k a year in the industry that you've studied in. Um, so it, uh, it basically, for the student, from the student's perspective, it covers the downside risk where if it doesn't work out for you, you you're not stuck with loans that you can't pay off. Yeah, the concept seems so simple, but it's just so powerful, the fact that your incentives are aligned with the students, and just that simple shift, I think, changes everything. You've mentioned on other podcasts and on Twitter that you think ISAs are going to be more widely adopted and are kind of, in some way, the future. Can you talk about some ways that you think ISA is going to be implemented, whether it's in Lambda School or in other industries? How do you think the ISAs are going to impact society in the future? Yeah, I mean, so if, if you're a vocational school, um, you're fighting over students, right? If you look at the code boot camp world, there are 100 code boot camps out there. They're all fighting to be the one that you decide to pay the twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 to. Um, what an ISA says is, look, you know, we're actually going to put our money where our mouths are, and if we're not successful, then we're not going to get paid, so you should come here as opposed to another school. Um, so it, it's much more difficult to run operationally. It requires a different capital structure. There's a lot more risk involved. Um, you have to, there's just so much more that's involved in running an income share agreement type school, um, especially if you're not just, you know, using somebody else's money to finance the ISA. Um, so it's, it's just an entirely different product. And I think that those schools that are willing to put that level of skin in the game in the long run will win. Um, so I, you know, pretty publicly said that, you know, I don't, I can't imagine a, a vocational school winning out over another vocational school if it doesn't use an ISA. So in my mind, if you don't use an ISA in your vocational school in five years, you're basically dead. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like it. Um, you mentioned that when explaining ISAs, it was kind of like having, or not kind of like, it was exactly like having an equity stake in a human being, and um, which kind of makes you an investor of some sorts. Do you think of yourself as an investor? Oh, 100%. We view every, every student as an investment that we make. So we effectively provide the training and the career services and all the other stuff. That's our investment, right? Um, so there's there is a real dollar amount attached to every student that we have to outlay in upfront. Um, so similar, you know, that's and that's what really makes it special. It's similar to a you know a VC, you know, it's easy to give money away. Um, making sure that it comes back is the difficult part, and we're forced to do right by our students to make sure that that happens. Yeah, I think it's awesome. When I first heard about Lambda School, I thought it was brilliant. So that's great. You, uh, shifting a little bit, you've mentioned about, uh, you tweeted something a little while ago that said something along the lines of um, accreditation for universities is like the taxi medallion. Um, can you dive a little into that? Yeah, so I get in trouble for saying that all the time. Um, but, but effectively, you know, a taxi medallion was meant to um, basically keep taxis safe and to keep you know, make it so that you knew what you were getting into when you stepped into a taxi. Um, but it just wasn't a very efficient mechanism of doing so, and it didn't measure the right things. Um, similarly, uh, you know, accreditation uh, is meant to say, look, this school is safe, it does a really good job, it meets the outcomes that it purports to. Um, but you can look at the history of, you know, for-profit education specifically, and some non-profit education, and see that, you know, there were a lot of schools that had a higher student loan default rate than graduation rate. There were schools that had a sub 15% graduation rate at $50,000 a year tuition, and they're fully accredited. Um, so I think that the same way the Uber rating mechanism in theory should you know, do the quality control that a taxi medallion had always promised to do, um, an income share agreement regulates the schools in the same way that an accrediting body should. Um, so even though, you know, I believe the accreditors and those who require accreditation have the best intentions in mind, um, they're just measuring the wrong things. Yeah, it's interesting as someone just coming out of university a couple of years ago, I can, can kind of agree with that. Um, what do you tell... Uh, parents that of let's say there's a bunch of young people which there are that want to try out lambda school up they're applying they, they want to be a student of yours do you find that parents are skeptical of lambda school and if so like how do you paint the picture on that this is kind of where the future this is exactly where the future is going yeah I, I think that's one part where the business model really does the talking for itself um and you know luckily it's a relatively short course so you say look if you know if a year from now Johnny goes to the Lambda School and he, he doesn't get a job, at least he's not in debt and now he can go to a university, you know? Um, whereas the reverse is not true. If you go to a university and it doesn't work out, you now have four years of debt and you've spent four years. Um, so that's honestly not a conversation we have very often. Usually the, the students are having that on our behalf and if it's a no, we don't really hear about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely generational. Um, we've definitely noticed it on Capitol Hill when we go out and we talk to you know, congressmen and women and senators and we say, look, there's this alternative form of education where it's, you know, it's not a degree, um, there's no debt, 
it's very direct vocational training and they say yeah but you know what happens if it doesn't work out um, like if I go get an English degree I can go do anything I can have any career that I want but if I go to lambda school you know then it's you know it's iffy when the reality is I mean you know our generation understands that an English degree is not going to get you hired the way it did 20 years ago it's by no means a guarantee of a successful career um, and so you kind of have to help people understand that times have changed and perspectives have shift have shifted and it's you know when I went to high school I was promised that if you go to college and you get a degree you'll have a great job on the other side and that's simply not the case that's fundamentally not true well talking to someone in your position when you were in high school what would you tell a high schooler um, what the case is today um, I mean I would say try to find data and look you know be smart about when you're taking on that desk that debt you're taking on risk right and I think that's why we have the student loan crisis is because nobody nobody ever mentioned student debt when I was in high school it was always get into the best university you can study what you love and it's all gonna work out mm -hmm. and for a lot of my friends it just it just didn't um, so I have no nothing against a university education I have nothing against you know uh, uh, a bachelor's degree or the liberal arts or any of that it's just you know enter in with eyes wide open and understand what you're getting into and know that a degree is not a magic bullet the way frankly baby boomers are telling you it is yeah. Um, so yeah I couldn't agree more. Um, shifting a little bit, you mentioned a few times on your blog or just on a podcast that you kind of believe in this idea of untapped human potential and like the like human capital is mm -hmm. the most like underutilized resource or untapped resource. Can you just dive into that a little bit more and put a little more color to that? Yeah. I mean, so if I want to trade orange juice futures, right, I can buy and sell orange juice by the thousand tons instantly on a Bloomberg terminal at any time um, but at the same time if I'm a factory worker in Detroit and Ford hits a rough patch and I get laid off as a factory worker in Detroit for some reason I'm just stuck there forever and even if there's a job 20 miles down the road that has a slightly different skill set that pays exactly what I used to make there's no clear path for me to make that jump and there's certainly no optimization happening where you can you know that you might, the end goal for Lambda School is that you can show up, you can push a button, you can take some kind of assessment, and then we can say, it looks like you're, you would be really good at X, and people who you know, study in X, they make Y, and we will do Z to get you there, and we'll pay you N along the way, and like, you should be able to rapidly shift people from one point of the economy to another, and that's just a fundamental piece of the economy that's missing, and that's insane to me. Um, so right now, the only way to move from one career to another is go back to a university for four years and take out $150,000 in student loans. Like that's such a bad idea for so many different reasons. Um, so yeah, we wanna make that fast and easy and risk-free. Absolutely. Um, another company and person who's been thinking a lot about that is Daniel Gross, a pioneer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that recently you announced a, a partnership with them or, or a collaboration with them. What have you learned so far um, in that collaboration from Daniel and from Pioneer? 
Um, Daniel is one of the most forward-thinking people I've ever met in terms of how can we... I mean, the problem that he's trying to solve is how can we determine what a person's potential is um, in a different path or, you know, what, you know, how can we measure what you're capable of? Because right now, part of the problem of, you know, we, we can't optimize it if we can't measure it. Um, so Pioneer is, you know, I like to describe Pioneer as saying, you know, there's, there are probably dozens of Einsteins out there that none of us know about. They might be working in a rice field in Malaysia. They might be, you know, mopping floors in the United States somewhere. And the fact that you think about the loss to humanity and the loss of the economy of not being able to accurately identify those people and help them get the resources they need, that's a huge, huge problem. And Daniel is one of the few people on planet Earth that I think has the potential to figure that out and create that magical recipe to unlock that and find those people. Um, and still, I'm, I think Daniel would admit that that's risky and that's a difficult thing to do. But if they solve even some tiny fraction of that, then wow. Um, I mean, look at Y Combinator, right? And PG and how many of the Y Combinator startups that exist today and, you know, Y Combinator could measure its value and I believe it's the hundreds of billions now. How much of that wouldn't exist if Paul Graham and Y Combinator hadn't started? I've got to think it's at least half. Um, so the fact that one, you know, Paul and Jessica can start something, and I guess Trevor as well, and say, let's, you know, identify founders and help them get to where they could be and pick up an excess $50 billion in value created, that's, that's not normal. That's not something that just happens all the time. And I think there are a lot of opportunities like that. I think why, something that YC and Pioneer both do is they give people almost permission to try something amazing and try something different than going down the nine, like going down just the, the traditional path. And I think mm -hmm. the value that YC has injected indirectly from people that just said, oh, they had given advice, they did it, like I can do it too, it has been enormous, which is, um, yeah, their content on startups is incredible. Um, well, cool, that's, uh, it's all fascinating. Um, one thing that fascinates me about Daniel is his is his interest in game theory, and I was trying to build Pioneer as like kind of a game, mm -hmm. which as a participant of Pioneer now like four or five times, like it's, it's totally a game. Yeah. Do you use any gamification techniques in Lambda School, or have you learned any gamification techniques from Daniel that you want to apply to Lambda School? Yeah, we use a little bit, um, and every time I talk with Daniel, I come away thinking, oh my gosh, we should be using so much more <laughs> game theory or yeah. um, gamifying stuff so much more. Um, so we, we need to do a better job at that, um, to be frank. Um, I think that's, you know, Daniel always makes the point that school should feel like a video game. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like our, our instructional design is actually optimized around something called flow state, where you know, flow is when kind of the abstractions fall away and you're totally focused and immersed on what you're doing right now. And so we've built around that. So if you add any level of gamification to that, you know, and, and the point that Daniel would make is look at how long kids will spend completing quests on, uh, I'm thinking RuneScape. That, that, yes. dates, that dates me, though. Um, I was in that, yeah. That's, but, that was a fun time. I don't know. Call it Fortnite. <laughs> um, if you could make that actually useful and healthy, um, that's a huge win. So yeah. Uh, 
So yeah, I think there's something there for sure. Yeah. Cool. So for anyone that so you started Lambda School, it's been about two years now, mm-hmm. two and a half years. And you, in my opinion, subjectively, but I think others would agree, you're kind of like these. You have the inklings of a, like a once in a decade company. Like you're, you're, you have unlocked something that a lot of people want to be a part of. How do you, as a CEO, keep up with what you created? Uh, and what are techniques that you um, that you use to to make sure you can stay on top of the rocket ship that you've built? Yeah, frankly, I'm still kind of wrapping my mind around that. Like, it's still it's still very surreal to me. Um, even, you know, that I look out in the office and there are a bunch of people I didn't know last month. And we've got, you know, I think we, by the end of this month, we'll have 80 full-time employees and 200 part-time employees. And, like, two years ago, it's just me and Ben, right? Um, so I think for most of it, you know, you look at what the highest leverage things you can do as a CEO are. And learning to be a CEO is a very different skill set than being a founder and getting something off the ground. I'm learning that right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so most of my time is spent in kind of organizational design and hiring. And there are people that we can hire that are way better than me at all these different things. And I could never dream of doing any of them as well as any of those people. Um, so it's, you know bringing the right people on board and empowering them to do the right things, which is very different than just trying to do it yourself. Um, so, so the role changes pretty drastically. And that's still, I mean, something I'm still learning how to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just a couple more questions for you. Um, first, you, you started Lambda School, uh, and it, it's right now it's for um, develop, like coding, it's for, for development, data science, things like that. And you've mentioned that uh, when people on Twitter say, hey, uh, like, have you thought about Lambda School for, for X or Lambda School for Y? Your answer is always, oh, yeah, that's Lambda School. Um, assuming that you're going to get a lot of industries, but not every single one in the world, what advice would you give to the person that wants to build a Lambda School for something super, obsc- super obscure that you may not ever touch, but is still needed in the world? How, how, uh, come talk to me and let me hire you to build it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think the number of industries that we won't be going into pretty shortly will be small. Um, I think people underestimate how small that number probably is. Um, you know, the same way Uber starts launching in a bunch of different cities and Lyft is launching in cities, we'll be launching in industries. Um, so we have this really scalable model, and the, the difficult thing of what we've built is this engine that identifies people, gives them the skills they need, and then gets them placed in a new career. That's really freaking difficult to build, um, but it generalizes as well. Um, So we can take a similar instructional design and take it to other industries. Um, Frankly, if you look at, you know, the U.S. Department of Labor data and look at where all the biggest shortages are, that's where we're going to go after first because it's the obvious, you know, if there are if there's a shortage of five million so- or cybersecurity engineers, probably makes sense for us to start teaching cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, so we'll just start working our way down that path. Um, so so I don't know what what would I recommend. Um, the thing that I think everybody underestimates about Lambda School, everybody looks at the business model, and then they look at the outcomes, and they assume that if you have the business model, the outcomes just happen. Um, 
the hard part is the instructional design yeah. and the admissions and like the actual running a school um, <laughs> and running an outcomes team. That's the mm-hmm. difficult part. So just be cognizant of that and it's not, you know, you, you magically use an ISA and problems fix themselves somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have one, I have one last question for you. Um, you're building the future every day. Uh, every time you step into to your office and think anything about Lambda School, you're building the future. What advice would you have? Actually, I have two questions, sorry. Um, yeah. One, for people that, that have heard this conversation that want to build the future, um, how could they either get in touch, how could they get involved with Lambda School as a student, or uh, one, as a student, or two, how could they get involved with Pioneer, both of which are ways to kind of plug into um good people doing good things for the world? I guess that's my first question. Yeah, I mean, so the first answer is Lambda School currently has open job recs for like 40 plus roles. Uh, we're hiring as fast as we internally can. Um, and Pioneer, I mean, play the tournament. It's it's uh, yeah. it's online and it's open to literally anybody. So Yeah, that's pioneer.app. It's a lot of fun, I can attest. Yeah. And, and cool. I'd say my last question is if you had... One thing to say to someone who was listening to this podcast that had a big vision and just needed to, wanted to bring it to life and needed um, that advice to get them there, like how, uh, what would you tell them? How would you get them off their feet and start building? Um, the, the same way, you know, you, you'd look at a fire and see all these huge logs on fire. Um, you can't start a log on fire by trying to light a log with a match. Um, so break that problem down into the tiniest possible piece that you can solve and start by solving that tiny, tiny, tiny piece and then let it kind of snowball out from there. Um, you know, so, you know, the goal of Lambda is not even to be a a code school, right? Um, but to create the economic clearinghouse that we want to, for people to be able to move from low income to high income at the click of a button. Um, we had to start by building a code school that worked for 20 people. Um, and that turns out that's really hard. Um, so similarly, find, you know, take your enormous plans and break them down to the tiniest, most incremental piece that you can and start by solving that incremental piece. Um, that's what I would do. Cool. That's great advice. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. We've been hanging out with Austin Alred for the last 30 minutes. Hope you've been enjoying the content. And hope you, uh, hope you tune in for next week. If you have any questions, let us know at matt at publoff.com. And until next week, hope you have a great day. Bye. Awesome. That was dope. Yeah. Thanks, man. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I actually stopped.